Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, uh, Mike here. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age Cardboard Podcast. It's funny, I forgot to turn my camera on right there when the intro was over from my dad, but man, I am excited. There's just a lot going on and I'm sorry I did missed last week. Uh, I, this week, next week, and the week after already laid out, so I've got three more, you know, two more after this one for sure cut up things I know that I'm going to be doing. So that is good. Um, sometimes it's just hard to get content ready to go. Uh, last week was not that reason. It was just more of a so busy with things in life that I just didn't get around to doing an episode. It was that simple, but I've wanted to do this episode because recently as in like yesterday, um, I've been working on the research for this. And then yesterday, I went on Four Sharp Corners. If you're not familiar with that website, they do tons of eBay sales. They have a website, you know, the company website direct, which is where I tell people to go. If you want to go buy cards from, if you see something on Four Sharp Corners on eBay, go to their website. It's going to be some amount lower. And I noticed that on their $50 and less, they were offering 20% off on the website. So not only was I seeing were I seeing cards that already were getting cheaper and more in my wheelhouse of what I like to try to maximize my dollars, I always look for deals. Then it was 20% off of that. And I so I filled up a cart basically uh, and bought a whole bunch of vintage cards to fill in gaps on player runs and four decade cards and stuff like that. So it was great. I mean, I was. I have noticed this trend that it, things are starting to come down quite a bit, which is a perfect segue for my video tonight, where I'm going to talk about the most expensive tops rookies from the vintage era. I'm going to do the top 20, but I might point out some things on the list. There are 60 total uh, tops rookies in the vintage era, which I consider 51 tops through 1980 tops to be the era that I'm looking at. And, yeah. So I did this last year. I did this about a year ago. And what's really interesting is the trend because when I did it a year ago, it was 2022. We weren't even, you know, we were a year removed then from the peak. And so I should do a peak thing and then peak to trough where we are now, because there has been not necessarily a change in who the top 20 are, but the change in prices for those is pretty significant in my opinion. And I'm going to talk through that because <clears throat> as a collector, you want to buy cards cheap. If you're a seller, you want to sell cards high. And so there's this constant, 
you know, battle going between sellers wanting good deals, buyers wanting to maximize profit. And, you know, nobody thought that had any common sense whatsoever that what was going on during the pandemic and then the run, subsequent run up and vintage lagged. And we, we saw this happen kind of as, as it unfolded. Vintage was about a year behind. Everything else was going nuts in, in 2020 through the summer. Vintage was peak was more March, April, May of 2021. And that's not surprising. Uh, I think I called it like back in the day. And not because I'm trying to brag. It, it, it just made sense that that would be how the story would go. And now everything that's happening is incredibly sensical. You look at what's happening in the card market. You've got an overall feeling of just economic Blah. And so you're seeing prices come down. People just aren't spending what they used to spend on sports cards and lower demand equals lower prices. It's just economics 101. So I'm going to talk about the top 20 here. This will be a probably a, it's just me talking tonight. Uh, going to be a relatively short video next week will be a solo episode as well. But the week after make sure you're here. It's going to be I don't even want to spoil it. It's going to be awesome. So a very cool interview that I'm doing. So I'm looking forward to that. I need my glasses because I'm going to start looking at my spreadsheet here. So a year ago, I, I had these prices back in April 2022. I redid it here now in April 2023. And it's important to think what I did. I looked at collector grade. Again, that's where the card grade numerical value equals the decade in which the card was issued. So a card... Any, anything in the 50s, is, I'm looking at a PSA 5. Anything in the 60s, 6s, 70s, 7s, etc. So the only 8s, the uh, 80 tops, Ricky Henderson. So that's kind of where I'm looking. I'm looking at kind of the middle market, right? I'm not looking at the super high end because that's kind of its own world. And, and those prices kind of don't change the way uh, that kind of that middle market does because there's just more cards in collector grade. Uh, more po the pops are higher. And so you just have more transactions happening. So you're able to see they're just not as rare and scarce. And so you see a lot more fluid pricing than you do on the high end. And then the low end's tough because not that I don't love low end cards. I certainly do, but the prices can vary greatly because ones and twos can be, you know, completely different eye appeal type cards. And, and so the prices can vary dramatically. But kind of that collector grade, I mean, a five and a 50s card, is they all kind of look similar. Like they're going to look all pretty similar is my point. And it's just a good, you, you got to put a you know line in the sand somewhere. You got to go, okay, I'm going to look at this. And so that's what I did with this list just to give me something to look at and kind of see what trends look like. And what I found out on the 60 cards uh, I'll count real quick here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of the cards are up. 52 of them are lower <laughs> than they were a year ago. And that's not surprising. And so a year ago, you could buy all 60 of the tops Hall of Fame rookies for 
This year, not as much. I'll give you the number later. But I think it's also important to point out why why are you looking at Hall of Fame rookies, Mike? Why that's only one part of the market. True. But in the vintage world, the Hall of Fame rookies are always popular. Those are always cards that people want for their collections. And so it's kind of this, as those go, kind of so does everything else. It's not completely symmetrical in terms of the relationship. But you can say, look, the stuff I bought on Four Sharp Corners that I mentioned earlier was not no Hall of Fame rookies. But it's kind of like, well, the rookies have all come down and so has everything else. It, it's kind of this symbiotic relationship just all cards are kind of going down and so the rookies are just the most popular it's what people have high desire for and again i told you the top 20 didn't change at all and that is still true the order of them changed a little bit but the top 20 is is still what it is the bottom few just so you know um for example, last year, Jack Morris was number 60, his 78 tops. It is still number 60, and it's about 20 bucks for a PSA 7, which is crazy cheap. In fact, there are, uh, I think, 15 of these. Yeah, 15 of the Hall of Fame rookies are under $100 that you can get in a collector grade, which just seems awesome. Like, if you are just want to collect and buy cards, that's great. There's 15 rookies that you can buy for under a hundred bucks. I would say the most surprising to me that's under a hundred dollars is Billy Williams. Cause that's 61 tops. That's kind of vintage vintage. That's getting back there. Right. And you can get that for $92. The 61 Ron Santo is 90 bucks. The Williams actually last year was also $92. So it's literally unchanged. The Santo was $135 a year ago and this year 90 bucks. So if there were in any given card, if there were two, three, four sales, you know, this within the last 30 days or so, I averaged those prices together, those sales together. If there were, if it's not a card that had a whole lot of sales and only one, for example, I just used that one. That's, that's what the market is. There's where it is. Uh, so, I did average if there were multiple sales. I didn't just use the highest or the lowest or the most recent. I kind of averaged it. Um, so cheapies are, like I said, Jack Morris, Bruce Suter, the Molitor Trammel rookie. That's 55 bucks. But I'm going to read you the bottom 10. Actually, the bottom 11. And I'm going to read you percentage changes because it's one thing for it to be down a dollar value, but it's important to think percentage change and, and it. Maybe it's my financial planning background and career that I'm in, but I always think percentage change. Yes, if you have $100 and it goes down 10%, that's to 90 versus $1,000 going down to 900. Yes, the dollar differences, the changes are definitely different. It's still the same percentage change, both down 10%. And so just to me, percentage change really tells a story more than it's down this many dollars because... You know, it just, it matters more to me. It just makes more sense. So I'm going to read you the bottom 11. Uh, Monty Irvin, which is crazy that you can buy a 51 Monty Irvin for $86 in a five. Uh, but it is down 23% from last year. Dave Winfield down 36%. Dennis Eckersley down 30%. Raleigh Fingers down 45%. Eddie Murray down 28%. 
Andre Dawson down 23%. 75 Jim Rice down 47%, almost half of what it was. Gary Carter down 62%. Last year, $155. This year, $58 for the same card. Same grade. Molitor Trammell down 30. Bruce Suter down 34. And Jack Morris down 13. So all of them are down. And I mean, when you have 52 out of the 60 that are negative in terms of price from last year, it's all the all the low end stuff has come down too, along with all the high end stuff, the more expensive cards. So I'm going to give you the top 20 now. I'm going to go through these and I'm going to put in the YouTube video, I'm going to put all this data into the description. So if you just want to go see all of them, knock yourself out. Uh, but I'm going to only highlight the top 20 here for the sake of time. Uh, last year, or this year, uh, number 20 is the 1968 tops. They're all tops. I shouldn't say that. Johnny Bench, $340 this year. Last year, it was number 19, and it was $416. So that's an 18% decrease. That's like, okay, here we go. Uh, everything's down pretty much. Number 19, and this is still crazy that this card is this rank. It's the 19th one, is 1957 Tops Frank Robinson, $355. Last year, almost $500, so down almost 30%, 2828 it's number 19. Last year was number 15. So it's actually dropped even further in the rankings. Next up, the 63 Willie Stargell. It's actually high. Like it's $385. Would you rather have a 57 Frank Robinson or a 63 Willie Stargell? The answer is if you're a collector is you want both. But it's surprising that the Frank Robinson is down where it is. Uh, it's down 22 or sorry, 12%. Next up, number 17 is the Reggie Jackson, 1969. 450 bucks. It was $450 last year. So it's like a dollar change or something like that. Um, so not much difference there. It's pretty much remained flat. Actually, today, earlier, I watched the Reggie Jackson special on Amazon Prime, uh, the documentary on Reggie Jackson. It was really good. I've been seeing a lot. I saw the Willie Mays one. Uh, I saw, God, what else did I see? There's several that have come out recently that have been really good. And it really gives you an insight into these players, especially Reggie in the early seventies, mid seventies. I mean, I was born in 73, so that's not an era I lived through and can really give a lot of, you know, historical context to. So seeing that play out on screen and, and seeing a lot of things that you just don't see in a lot of highlights, uh, the 77 world series, of course, when he hit three home runs, that's a, that's something in baseball lore, but I was four years old. So I certainly don't, I didn't see it. And if I did, I don't remember it, but there's uh Reggie at 17, Mike Schmidt's number 16. He's down 8%, 400. He's about $450 as well. Then you have at number 15, Lou Brock, 1962. That's a card that's actually gone up from last year. It was 408 last year. It is 473 this year. So a 16% increase. In fact, that moved it from number 20 last year to number 15 this year. Next up is the Kari Stremski 1960, $500. 
it was 600 last year, so that's down 16%. Uh, the 52 Mini Minoso, this one's a pretty big drop. It, it dropped by half. It was 1168 last year. It's 585 this year. Not surprising, really, because Minoso's, when he got elected to the Hall of Fame uh, in early 2022, uh, that's, or actually it was December 2022, 21, via the Veterans Committee. And so he was elected or inducted into 2022. His rookie card being popular and people wanting to buy it, not surprising at all. And now you're seeing kind of the, okay, everybody that wanted one pretty much has gotten one. And so you're seeing a commensurate drop in the price, but that's one of the more, in fact, that might be certainly in the top 20, it's the largest drop by dropping almost half. And it was the 11th highest, but it's still number 13. Number 12 is the 1967 Broad Carew. And that was 860 last year, 675 this year, down 21%. Common theme, guys, you're hearing. Next up, 59, Bob Gibson. A $1,200 card and a five a year ago is now $675. That seems like a really good deal for the old Pepto-Bismol card. Down 43%, almost 44%, actually. Number 10. Now we're in the top 10 here. This is a card that was 13th last year. Now all the way up to number 10, and that's the 57 Brooks Robinson. It's actually gone up from 690 to 798, basically 800. So you're looking at an almost 16% increase in that card. Next up is Al Kaline, of course, one of the three great rookie cards in the 1954 top set. That was a $1,200 card a year ago. It is now $860. So that's down almost 30%. Uh, Tom Seaver is next, number eight, 1967, of course. That was an almost $1,900 card and a six, now $1,360, so down almost 30% as well. You're seeing, a, I mean, again, this is relatively consistent. Like you're seeing somewhere between 25 and 40% declines across the board here with, again, very few exceptions. Number seven. 68 Nolan Ryan. Again, it always cracks me up that Nolan's, you know, in the top 10, Johnny Bench, number 20. But uh, hey, Nolan Ryan's a very popular player. $1,775 last year, $1,600 this year, down only 10%. Only, it's only down 10%, but it's still cheaper this year. Number six, Sandy Koufax, 1955 classic card. That was an almost $2,600 card, $2,595 a year ago, now $1,600, down almost $1,000, darn near 40%. So huge drop in the Sandy Koufax rookie. Number five, Ernie Banks, 1954, the second 54 tops card in this top 10, $3,200 was the Banks rookie a year ago. Now, not even 2,100, down 35%. 1955, Roberto Clemente is number four. And it is $5,199 a year ago, 5,200 bucks. 
It's now $3,300. It's down almost $1,900 in a year. 36.53% down. Uh, number three, there's two cards in the top three that I think surprise people when they think about tops rookies. Because remember, no maze, no mantle tops rookies because their rookie cards are actually 51 Bowman. Uh, yes, I guess the 52s would be their first tops cards, but that's not, that's not a rookie card. I'm sorry. It's just not. So those are not included on here. But the number three tops rookie most expensive tops rookie is the Hoyt Wilhelm and this is a surprise a little bit because it's actually up from about 2360 a year ago to 3500 now and it's a high number it's not a card that sells a ton in those kind of grades and so I think there's just I don't think that's a card that goes will go down a ton because there's just not a lot of them out there and there's huge demand for that card i still will need that card and want that card so i'm definitely on the lookout for one of those i don't need a five but it's expensive kind of no matter what the grade is but 3500 you can get yourself a five that's up 48 percent. easily the best performer in the last year of the 60 tops rookies cards from the vintage era uh number one by a lot in terms of percentage change number two hank aaron 1954 six grand a year ago 62 75 ish now so you're talking about up five percent almost five percent so not a ton but it's not down and that's good that's good to not have a card that's down in the top two but the number one card is the same number one as last year and i think it again it surprised a lot of people the Eddie Matthews is the most expensive Topps rookie card era. A year ago, you could get a five that would cost you $15,000. Today, $10,500. So it's down 30% flat. Even at the top, again, you're seeing, uh, you know, again, the Aaron was up a little bit. The Wilhelm's up a little bit. But all the rest of them, down, 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 down. So I told you... You could buy a year ago all of the tops rookies, all 60 for about 54 grand a year ago. Now that'll only cost you 42,400. So it's $12,000 less. And that means overall, these rookies went down 22%. So that's kind of the cumulative effect of a few cards that are up, most of them that are down, and the different variances of the down. 22% is what we've seen. So the next question you might want to ask or maybe should be asking is, well, what now? Like what happens to these vintage rookies over the next year? What are we going to see going forward? You know, my crystal ball is a little bit uh, fuzzy, but my experience tells me that this is a trend that I think is going to continue. I don't think on a, you know, U.S. economic health meter that we are anywhere close to being out of the woods. Uh, we've still got talks of recession. We've got continued rising interest rates. And if you think all that doesn't have anything to do with cards, you're just not understanding <laughs> when people have less money, they're paying higher interest on things. They're paying, you know, inflation is still happening. People are paying more to buy milk and bread and gasoline to fill up their cars other stuff gets cut out and cards is might be the first thing for a lot of people 
that gets cut out, especially if you are not a dealer, you're just, it's an ancillary purchase. It's a, it's a luxury item, so to speak. And so it gets done with discretionary dollars. And if those discretionary dollars are getting eaten up by things that are necessary, guess where prices go down even further. And so I think, I don't know if it'll be as, it's hard to, I'm not going to try to predict any better than anyone else could, which no one really knows. But if I was to pick up or down a year from now, and I plan on doing this a year from now, I would say definitely we're going to be down from here. Does that mean you need to wait and buy cards down the road? Look, I'm a big believer in when you see it and you need it and you or you want it and it's a good deal for the moment that you're in, buy the card, you know, because nobody really knows the future. And could we turn around and have card prices, you know, start going back up? Of course we could. It's not not a likely scenario. I wouldn't put the, you know, if I had a, a scale and I was weighing higher or lower, I would put more money on the lower. But I still don't know. And so I'm a big believer in being opportunistic. And when you have a chance to buy a card, do it. Uh, if you're not doing it, especially with, with dollar signs being the motivation, you know, you're going to get great deals sometimes. And sometimes you'll look back and man, man, I wish I would have waited six months or whatever. And I, the truth is once I buy a card, I typically don't go back and look at what I pay, you know, man, I could have bought that for this. I don't sit there and second guess myself and have regrets and, oh, bummer, I should have waited because that's just the look of it. Because on the other end of that, all the cards I bought over the years that I paid incredibly low prices for relative to what they are today, I'm not sitting there patting myself on the back either. It was just cards that I wanted to add to my collection. And so I bought them when the it felt when it was right. You know, when I got a good deal, again, know your comps, know what cards are going for. Don't, don't be the one sucker that walks up to the dealer table or in your local card shop that pays the exorbitant price. Know what things are going for, do your homework, do your due diligence and try to get the best deal that you can always negotiate cards. <laughs> Nothing's set in stone. Uh, there is no manufactured suggested retail price for vintage cards. Just do your best. Um, man, thank you so much for listening. I know this has been a little bit shorter episode, but I wanted to do this again a year later and we'll, again, I have this in a spreadsheet, it's saved. And so look, look forward to doing it again next year. Let's see where we're at. Uh, my thing is, you know, it's, it's the journey that's fun. It's the, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm not going anywhere. Cards will be there next year too, just like they are this year. And I'm excited to see what I can pick up coming up at the national and all kinds of stuff. So next week I'm going to do an episode about kind of my favorite set registries. And I've been wanting to do this for a while and I've gotten tons of questions about this from you guys, by the way, if you ever want to ask me a question, uh, show me a card, you know, show off some cards that you bought or whatever, feel free to give me a, uh, a DM over on Instagram, baseball collector. Mike is my Instagram handle. Please. If you love the podcast, I would really appreciate you going and leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to the podcast, uh, Apple podcasts or, uh, audible or Spotify, wherever you are would appreciate it. That means a lot to me and it helps just get the show out there to more people. 
So thanks again, guys, for everything this week. We'll catch you next week with another episode. Have a good one and keep collecting.